PulseCast is written and produced by students at SUNY New Pulse. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of SUNY New Pulse. Welcome to PulseCast, an original student-produced podcast from the campus of SUNY New Pulse. This is Season 3, covering everything from self-discovery to nostalgia to crazy hypotheticals. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy creating. Subscribe for new episodes and topics every semester. Welcome to this week's episode of Celebrity NY Crime with your hosts, Claire, Ashley, and Michael. This week, we're deep diving into the murder of John Lennon. The Beatles, an English rock band that would take the world by storm in the 1960s. Beatlemania was widespread they would go on to shatter a multitude of records. By the 1970s, they sold over 300 million copies of their music. Their fame was led by the star power of Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Ringo Starr, and one John Lennon. Lennon's life was marked by controversy. After the band's breakup, John did go on to do some admirable things in activism, most notably his anti-war opposition. However, Lennon was a very flawed individual. Lennon's domestic life was notoriously bad. He was a serial cheater. He cheated on his first wife, Cynthia, constantly, including with his second wife, Yoko Ono. That became public while he was still married to Cynthia. By his own admission, Lennon was both an abusive husband and father. The song Hey Jude was actually written by Paul McCartney about Lennon's son, Jules, who Paul felt sorry for. Lennon was also a known homophobic. On one occasion, he assaulted a friend for implying he had sexual relations with the Beatles' manager, Brian Epstein. Lennon explained the situation by saying, he called me a queer, so I battered his bloody ribs in. This conflict of his character to go along with him being a music legend gave people some mixed reactions to the events of December 8, 1980. Who was Mark David Chapman? Who was this man that killed John Lennon the same day he asked him for his autograph? Mark David Chapman was 25 years old when he shot and killed John Lennon. Chapman had been a longtime Beatles fan with no previous convictions. He had been insulted by John Lennon's statement that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. Chapman, a Christian, became incensed by not only this comment but also the lyrics to Lennon's other songs, Imagine and God. In each of these songs, there were verses and lyrics that did upset some Christians. In God, Lennon says that he does not believe in the Bible and that he just believes in himself. In Imagine, Lennon speaks about having no wars, no money, and no heaven. Chapman was angry that he could preach about this while having millions. How could he tell people to imagine that they did not have the issues they did and think of how much better the world could be all while living incredibly comfortably? Chapman was also obsessed with being real and deemed Lennon to be fake for these reasons. Chapman's affinity for realness came from reading The Catcher in the Rye. He considered himself as Holden, and he had a responsibility to complete his mission. Chapman said that he had an immense inner struggle while he was there to kill Lennon. He thought many times that he should just take the signed album and go. But, in his own words, he was so compelled to commit the murder that nothing would have dragged me away from that building. On December 8, 1980, John Lennon awoke at 7.30 in the morning to begin a day that started like every other, 
but would end in a way that shocked the world. At 9 a.m., Lennon and his wife, Yoko Ono, went to Café La Fortuna, where they were both regulars. John Lennon then had a photo shoot with Annie Leibovitz, a shoot that would not only be his last, but would also grace the cover of Rolling Stone magazine the following year. After the shoot, Lennon headed to an interview with David Sholin that lasted for three hours. In this interview, Lennon said, We're either going to live or we're going to die. I consider that my work won't be finished until I'm dead and buried, and I hope that's a long time. This being the precursor to his death is especially heartbreaking. He had no idea what could have been coming. At 5 p.m. the same day, Lennon made his way to the subway where he met his own killer for the first time. Mark David Chapman handed him a copy of Double Fantasy to sign, and the signature reads, John Lennon, 1980, handing it back. At 6 p.m., John Lennon and Yoko Ono got a cab to a studio where they began working on their last song together, Walking on Thin Ice. Lennon was told that Double Fantasy, the record he had just signed for Mark David Chapman, had gone gold, and he was confident that this next song would be a number one hit for both him and Yoko. At 10.30 p.m., Yoko and John leave the studio. Yoko Ono makes her way towards the lobby while John Lennon stops to retrieve the recordings for the day. Mark David Chapman called out Mr. Lennon as Lennon began to walk to the entrance of the building, shot him five times in the back, missing only once. At 10.49 p.m., Lennon uses his last strength to crawl up the steps of the lobby, proclaiming, I'm shot. He was then asked by the officer on the scene if he was John Lennon. His last word was yes, and then he lost consciousness from the blood loss. After Chapman shot Lennon, he took off his coat and started to read his own copy of Catcher in the Rye. He remained there, reading, until he was arrested. John Lennon was brought to Roosevelt Hospital, where seven doctors worked on him. His injuries were too severe. He was pronounced dead at 11.01, December 8th, 1980. An unspeakable tragedy. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt Hospital. The news of Lennon's death was broadcasted over Monday Night Football on a night that it seemed like everyone in America was watching. After the death of Lennon, fans gathered and held vigils internationally as a tribute to the late artist. He was praised for his activism in anti-war movements. Fans were reported to have gathered in front of his apartment complex, listening to continuous streams of his music through their portable radios in a way to pay their last respects. On December 14th, millions of people paused for 10 minutes of silence to remember Lennon. Thousands gathered in Lennon's hometown of Liverpool, and the largest group did so at Central Park. For those 10 minutes, every radio station in New York City went off air. Lennon did not have a funeral. The area where his ashes were spread was coined as Strawberry Fields by a city council member in 1981, and there lies an imagined mosaic memorial in Central Park. To this day, fans, friends, and former colleagues of Lennon can visit this memorial and pay their respects. Members of the Beatles, the rock band in which Lennon founded, were shocked and devastated to hear the news of his death. Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr all shared the reactions post-murder. I was very shocked, you know. It's terrible news. When did you, how did you find out about it? I got a phone call this morning. From whom? Hey, uh, from a friend of mine. Have you discussed the, the death yeah. with any of the other Beatles? No. Uh, do, you, do you plan to? 
probably, yeah. What time did you hear the news? This morning sometime. Very early? Yeah. Go now, yeah? Drag, isn't it? Okay, cheers. Go on. It makes me feel so bad that they really they really pressed him like that. Like, he seems like he doesn't necessarily care, but I really think he's just devastated that his friend died, regardless of what kind of person John Lennon was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just looked like he was in shock more than anything. Yes. yes. And I think I think that was the morning. Uh, it was the day that he was being interviewed like that was to where just hours before was when he went ahead and got that news. Um, and I know afterwards he got slammed because at the end he just said, drag, isn't it? Okay, cheers. Well, and it is a drag. Yeah. yeah. It's a drag. His friend and is he dead. Was just, he was criticized for saying that. And he even had to turn around and apologize for it. Well, it seems nonchalant, but, like, you don't know how you're going to react in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. In in uh, in an article that I read, it was um, McCartney himself. He regretted saying it. And he said that uh, it was not meant to be disrespectful. It was just exactly like that. He couldn't explain how mm-hmm. he was feeling at the time. I mean, I would do the same if, like, a friend of mine died. I'd be like... And then, like, 10 yeah, people drag, come up to it? you with, like, cameras and microphones, and they're like, hey, like, tell me exactly what happened, how, when you found out, give me your honest reaction, mm-hmm. I want tears. Like, that, that's that's <laughs> messed up. It's a lot. And it's... That's celebrity culture, really. Yeah. It's like, people just say, oh, you decided to put your life out there, now you have to deal with it. Well, when Takeoff died recently, like, people were so mad at the Migos for not having, like bigger reactions or like public large reactions of Mm -hmm. like grief but it's like that's their family that's their friend that is somebody that they created a career with and you expect these people to one have public reactions to film them for you and then criticize them for the way that they react what are you what are you supposed to do in that situation it's kind of weird why do you want to see them be sad anyways exactly like just to prove that celebrities care about each other i mean they're they're people too so it's just like we don't have it's just stupid i just went back to sleep actually I just uh, maybe it's just a way of um, getting away from it I just went to sleep and uh, and then waited to see you know what it said the next morning and he was still dead the next morning unfortunately I believe what it says in uh, in the scriptures and in the Bhagavad Gita it says there was never a time when you didn't exist and there'll never be a time when you cease to exist the only thing that changes is our bodily condition soul comes in the body and we go from birth to death and it's death how i look at it is like taking your suit off Mm. you know the soul is in these three bodies and one body falls off he clearly had some time to process what happened and he wasn't like pressed immediately yeah yeah the fact that it was also uh you can't see it through audio but he was sat down at a at a formal talk show interview type thing yes uh paul mccartney was not he was just interviewed on the street. I think while he was waiting for a taxi, because I think he what he went into was a taxi after. Yes, yes. But, um, but no, this this seems like he. Well, one he's um, he was talking about how he learned how to he learned about meditation and he learned how to meditate and to understand like the human condition as as what it was and it felt it felt a lot of like what John Lennon talked about in a lot of his music, um, mm. especially the two songs we mentioned like Imagine. Um, Imagine there's no heaven, no help neath us. You know, just you are who you are, and this is the only thing that you can trust, and the only thing that you are. Um, and so that was that was kind of like a really beautiful tribute. But I'm I'm glad that he had the opportunity to 
you know, prepare himself to talk about the death of a friend like that. I still miss John a great deal. I'll always miss him, you know, but it's still brand new. When you heard about how did you hear about it? Uh, Barbara's daughter called us up saying John's been shot. And so that drove me crazy, but you think as a he's been shot, he's shot in the arm, shot in the leg. And then they came back and they said he's uh, he's dead. Do you want to stop that now? No. Because it's... It doesn't help, you know, but it, it always gets me upset. The one thing I see that's a trend, um, at least with Harrison and Stark, is McCartney really didn't say anything during his uh, interview. Um, but both of them turn around and they're like, my first reaction with hearing that John Lennon was shot was, oh, it's just a flesh wound. It's in the arm or in the leg. And then later on they're told, no, he's he's dead. And that's really that's really interesting to like think about the way that they think about their friend. Like they're not necessarily shocked that someone tried to kill him, but they're shocked that they succeeded. Like mm-hmm. they thought that you know John Lennon can't die, and yeah. that um, I mean I think that I would have a similar reaction, but I don't know if I would think I, I like what what do you say when your friend is shot? Like what yeah. do you say about yeah. that? But he seems he seems very devastated. It seems like they thought of him as like kind of this immortal being like when Harrison found out he went back to sleep he's like oh he'll be fine mm-hmm. he's like I don't even believe it and then he woke up he's like oh he's still dead I wonder if that is because of the way that they view him as a person or if it is just like shock because mm-hmm. I, I yeah. mean again I don't know like how I would react but they do they do seem to regard him in like high esteem which is very interesting because of how like kind of horrible of a person that he was um and how bad of a dad he was and how he was abusive to both of his wives um but you know he it seemed like it seemed like these people really did care about him i think maybe it's one of those things where you know a man is different in front of his family than he is in front of his friends so it's even if they know about his domestic life and they know about how horrible it was it's still one of those things where it's like he's not like that around them so they think of him as a much morally better person which makes me dislike the Beatles yeah Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's valid (laughs) like y'all suck for that like um, keep your um, hold your friends accountable for their actions Um, but you know I mean it's still devastating to lose someone in that way so I will withhold my judgment (laughs) And I feel like Harrison used this opportunity to go ahead and preach like meditation and believing in there's more than one place where his soul could be. Um, And then Ringo just said, you know, I miss him a great deal. I don't want to talk. He said in the interview, I don't want to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, Barbara Walter, Barbara Walters was interviewing Ringo Starr and she's um, she's also the worst. Uh, Mm -hmm. She is routinely disrespectful to people that she interviews, but it, it seemed like she had some sympathy for him here. Um, in that sense, so that he, if he didn't want to talk about it, he didn't have to. But it was, um, it truly is just very devastating um, for them, obviously. I mean, I know Yoko I mean, was also devastated. Yeah, enough, enough for them to make a song in tribute about him all those years ago. They, uh, they wrote that in tribute. You could tell how hard it was on the Ringo to even talk about it. He, didn't, he gave like two to three word answers to everything. Mm-hmm. Was Ringo in that interview with uh, George Harrison? Because he, while he wasn't talking about it, um, then he was talking about it now.
Like every human being, John Lennon was flawed. His tragic murder did not erase all the wrongs he committed in life. The global mourning of a music legend doesn't discount said legend's behavior and those he hurt. As a morally great individual and artist, Lennon had those close to him in his defense, claiming that he was turning his life around and was taken at the wrong time. This episode of PulseCast was brought to you by Sunyu Pulse's DMJ333 podcasting class. Special thanks to Ed and Gina Carroll for their generous support. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed creating. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every semester. 